<laughs> Philippians 4, verse number 6. It says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask you that you would give me the power I need to bring forth this message today. I pray it would stir us to be grateful, to be thankful. I pray, Lord, if we are in darkness today, that you would help us to break through and see the light and that we'd give thanks to you before this hour is done. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a day, there's not a lot of gratefulness out there. And that's because we live in dark days. The days are dark. The world is dark. And because of that, there's not too much thankfulness. And the Bible is clear that this is exactly what was going to take place. I want to read a couple of negative verses before I, and I always thought about this, as I'm preaching, say, Lord, why do I always bring the negative in? You know, well, can't you just preach the positive? And then he always reminds me of a car battery. He says, you ain't going nowhere without a positive and negative. And so I got to give you the negative, but I promise you, this is going to be mostly positive, all right? Romans 1.21 says this, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. That's talking about the, the corrupt depravity of man's heart. And because they would not glorify God as God, they were not thankful. Yeah. So that tells me right there, truly, in order to be a thankful individual, we have to recognize who God is. Yeah. And if we don't recognize him, you'll never be a thankful person. I also see in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we're in those last days right now. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That's the day we're living in. And these are the people that are surrounding you daily. Not only that, these are people, it says, that have a form of of godliness that means there's an external form that they're holding but something inside is wrong and he says don't spend time with people like that it doesn't say don't reach them for christ it doesn't say try to do what you can to make sure they get saved but it says don't you start fellowshipping because you're going to end up being unthankful unholy a truce breaker and all these different things Unthankful. I thought about that word. The word thankful that we see in Philippians chapter 4, 
means to be grateful, well-pleasing, gratitude. And then in this verse, we see in, in Romans chapter, uh, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, this word unthankful means without kindness or without favor or without gratefulness. So the Greek word in the first one is charistos, and the second was acharistos. When you do put an A in there, it's like saying amoral or, or something like that. So A is always without. And so the character of today's generation is without gratefulness. Without gratefulness. And it's no wonder, because we're living in a day that is very dark, <laughs> I think that darkness and ungratefulness walk hand in hand. I think today, if you are in darkness, or there's some darkness in your soul, there's also ungratefulness in your soul. I really believe that. I want to talk about one thing today. And this one thing is going to really unlock the key to what may just set you free. See, this isn't just a Thanksgiving message. This is a message of liberty. This is a message of freedom. We like to get together and and we read poems and we talk about giving thanks. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Thanksgiving is far greater than a poem. It's something that will release your soul from the darkest pit. And no matter where you are in your life right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what sin is holding on to you, you can break through that darkness and see the light. And if you can see that light and you can get a thanks out of your mouth to God and you can go before him in gratefulness, I guarantee you this day, your life can change. There's power in thanksgiving. There's power in thanksgiving. Psalm 100 Verse 1 to 5, it says this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Oh, Father, bless this time. Give me the power I need right now in Jesus' name. The world says all kinds of things about God mostly in a false or derogatory sense. The world uses the Lord's name in vain as a curse word. But more than that, they attach the name of God to things that are not good, like Christian rock. They say Christian this, Christian that. Or they bring things into the church in the name of Jesus that are not good. We as blood-bought believers ought to always remember that God is good. And because he is good, we do associate the Lord or his people with those things that are not good. 
If we do, we do the right and good things. We have to humble ourselves. We have to confess and forsake our sin if God is good. There is nothing that will free a darkened soul than looking through the darkness to see the light of God's goodness. It will free you from depression, from anxiety, spiritual bondage, sin, and discontentment. You can be free if you see that the Lord is good. The one thing about the Lord that's good is the Lord's word is good. The word of God, the Bible. Jeremiah 29 verse 10, it says this. Now this is Israel. We've been going through this on Wednesday nights. How they were brought into captivity to Babylon. And there was a prophecy made by Jeremiah some 70 years before. And this is it. It says, thus, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I've driven you, saith the Lord. And I'll bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. If you'll just believe my good word. My good word. Good means fruitful. It means correct. It means proper. It means convenient. That means my word is the right thing for you. It is fruitful. It is good. You need it. And I'll tell you something. Even though you feel you're in bondage and you feel that God has forsaken you, if you turn your heart back to me, I guarantee you this. I will show you my blessing. I will bring it back into your life. I'll get you to return to the place of blessing. That's my good word. He's given us all a good word today. Folks, no matter where you are today, no matter what you've done, no matter where you have gone, God will always return you to the place of blessing if you want that place. Amen? What a blessing that is. If you want God's good, you can have God's good. His promises to you are good. They're not evil. The children of Israel became idol worshipers. They lived in sin and wickedness. He brought chastisement, but not to destroy them, to purge them. You can always be blessed of the Lord if you turn to him. I've never got over even the fact of how Ahab, the most wicked king in Israel, when the prophet came to him one day and said, this is what's going to happen to you. He put on sackcloth and ashes and he wept before God and God looked down and saw this wicked king. He says, you know what? I won't do it while you're alive. Just like that. Now, if I were me, I'd say, crocodile tears. 
but God saw his heart. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. A humble heart can move the hand of God. And no matter what God had determined against you in your life, no matter what uh, judgment is waiting for you, God can change his mind when you come before him dressed with humility. Amen. God is so good. I like 2 Peter 1.4. It says, Wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, we got good promises. Good promises from God. Because we got a good God. Because we got a good God, we got good promises. Amen? And so you can always count when God gives you a promise that it will come to pass, and it's true, you never have to doubt it. Now, I thought about the word promise. What is a promise? Well, a promise is assurance. That means, basically, it's like this. I can make you a promise, but you have no assurance unless you know that I'm the kind of guy that keeps his promises. So if I don't keep my promises and I come up to you and say, let me make you a promise, you still have no assurance. But let's say I'm someone that does keep his promises. And I come to you and say, hey, my word is my bond, and what I say I will do. And immediately when I make that promise, you have assurance in your heart. Can I tell you, this is no man that's making you these promises. The Bible says that these promises are exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great. And these exceeding great and precious promises have come from a God that is exceeding great and precious. See, the only way you're going to actually have assurance in your life is you finally believe that God is good. God is good. Now you say, well, preacher, that just goes without saying, really? (laughs) I think there's a lot of Christians that don't believe God is good. Not, I'm not saying they're not saved. But practically in their life, it doesn't, they don't prove, they don't show anybody that they believe that God is good. And if you don't believe that God is good, you're going to have no assurances in his promise. But if you can believe that God is good, then you will finally believe his promises to you. This is important. Wives, they want assurance from their selfish husbands. Don't you? (laughs) I talk to men sometimes and, I don't know what's going on with my my wife. (laughs) What I tell them is this, most of the time it says, what your wife wants is security. Something you're doing is making her feel insecure. Amen? So the wives are looking to the husband. Give me security. Give me assurance. Give me security. Give me assurance. And guess what? The husband doesn't have what it takes to bring the assurance. That's why, my friend, we need to start looking to God. He is the good one. Your assurance and his promises, that's what's going to take you through. Folks, men will let you down, but he will never let you down. Husbands, you look for assurance from your discontent wife. I want a better house. I want a better car. (laughs) I'm not saying you ladies are like that, but it could be. 
and you're trying to somehow make them happy? You can't find that in things. It all starts with a good God. I'll guarantee you, husband and wife, you will look at God as, as being good. You will have a life that's good. Because you have promises that are good, and you will believe that they are good, and both of you will walk forward no matter how things are, and you'll realize, you know what? We have great assurance in our life. Because God promised us. He promised us. Children are looking for assurance from their neglectful parents. And they want to feel loved. They want to feel secure. And many children in this world don't feel that from their parents. But you know what? They got a father in heaven that will give it to them. God is good. God is good. Wives, husbands, children, pastors, church members, whatever it may be, if you're looking to someone else for your goodness and your assurance, I'm sorry, ultimately they're going to let you down. You've got to realize that God is good. And if God is good, then you will be good. If you're not good, it's because you don't believe God is good. Amen? There is no assurance, this is a a quote that I just thought of, there is no assurance you can give a soul without the promises of God. Think about that. Husband, you want your wife to be happy. Can I tell you something? Unless our good God is involved in your husbanding, (laughs) you can never bring assurance to your wife's life. And the same vice versa. Many times our relationships break apart. Not because we're, there's something wrong with either of us. Because there is. <laughs> there always will be. The reason why they're breaking apart is because we haven't brought God in. We have lost our thanksgiving. We've lost our thanksgiving for God. We don't, as, as young people, when mother is slaved over the slow stove and like this. I don't like that. What are you having today? <laughs> And the reason why that is, we don't believe God is good. No God's involved here. We're not grateful. We're not thankful. Our children should get to the table, even if it's pork and beans, even if it's liver, whatever it may be, and they ought to lift up their voice and say, Mother, thank you so much, and thank you, God. I'll tell you something. If our families will begin to thank God, we will break through the darkness. We'll break through the bitterness. It'll all be gone. I guarantee you. Oh, you don't do this for me, Dad. You do it for them. If you would just be thankful for what you have, if you just be thankful for what you've already been given, I guarantee you, your life will turn around. It's the curse of ungratefulness. It's the curse of unthankfulness. That's what's hurting our families today. This is why in this passage it tells us, be careful for nothing. Be anxious. Be fearful of nothing. But in everything, with thanksgiving, 
Let your requests be made known to God. Some of us go to God, God, do this for me. God, do this for me. And then when he doesn't do what you want, see, God doesn't care about me. <laughs> I tell people, you want God to do something for you? You've got to send up the shipment in the right box. I hate that. You go to Amazon or you send something back. You know what they tell you? You've got to put it in a box. It's got to be this size by that size. You've got to take this paper. One of them's got to be on the inside. One of them's got to be taped on the outside. By the time I drop it off, I got it all backwards. <laughs> wrong one's on the outside, wrong one's on the inside. <laughs> you send it off. A couple of days later, your box is back at your door. You didn't package it right. You want to know why God's not answering your prayers? You're packaging it in selfishness. The Bible says you ask God, but you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. The Bible says you want true change to happen in your life. <laughs> you start to remember that God is good. In the middle of that prayer, no matter how dark things are, no matter how bad things seem to be when you're complaining to God about your tough life, you better find something to thank him with or he's sending the package back. Do you understand that? Lord, this person betrayed me. I need you, God. But then you say, thank you, Lord, that you've never betrayed me. Thank you that you've never left me nor forsaken me. Thank you, Lord, even though all my family and friends turn on me, that you will stand on my side. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. That's the right package. You want God to hear your request? You know, we say be careful for nothing. We're walking around more anxiety, more depression, more fear than ever in the church. Yeah, the Bible tells us that if we go before the Lord of Thanksgiving and let a request may be known, that he would send peace to guard our hearts. Where's that peace? Where's the peace in God's house today? He says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. That means that I've got a way to give you peace and you've got to take it my way. How is that, God? Thank me. Lord, I can't. I can't thank you. Now, this is what we need to understand. Not only is the, the Lord's word good, we also got to understand that the Lord's plan is good. Do you understand that? You know, I go through things in life sometimes and say, Lord, why? <laughs> I didn't choose this. I don't want this. Can I go away, please? God says, no, you can't. That's my plan. Romans 8.28 says this. You know it. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. One of the biggest reasons 
for unthankfulness in a person's life is going through seasons of difficulty. Difficulty that causes bitterness and anger about life or about people or even about God. I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life that are mad at God. It's not being able to trust the outcome of a difficult trial. I'll tell you this. A word that has hit me in the last couple of years is this particular word. It's called meekness. You do a study on that word meekness in the scripture. What is meekness? Meekness is going through things, understanding that God is in control. It's being willing to submit your life into the hands of God. Say, Lord, I don't understand it. This hurts, but I trust you. And now the decisions you're making, you're being, they're being made in meekness. I'm not trying to control it. I'm not trying to change it. I'm not getting angry at people. I'm not getting bitter at people because if this person did this to me, and if, let's say it's not my fault, then God planned for that to happen to me. And because he planned for it to happen to me, I understand that he's got a purpose for what just happened to me. And if he's got a purpose for what happened to me, he's using it to conform me to the image of his son. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Do you understand? We're on the first level of this. Lord, get me out of this. Lord, kill that person. Judge that person. He's saying, you've just begun, my son. See, meekness is seeing the end before the end. You may get sick. You know what you can know? That God allowed it. Why? Because he's conforming you to his image. So what do you do when you pray for your sickness? Oh, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm worried. He says, hey, be careful for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. What does that mean? Lord, my body hurts today. It hurts that I lost this person I loved. I don't know what it means, God. But I know this. It's for my good. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what God does? He looks down with his loving eyes and he draws you close. And he says, let me give you my peace. And I'm going to protect your heart as I continue the molding process. See, he's not saying with prayer and supplication, and I'll change your circumstance. He says, if you can thank me in your trial, I may not change your circumstance, but I'll give you the peace to endure it. Amen. The Lord's plan is good, no matter what it is. There's times here at church, I just think about it. I say, wow, 
I love it, God. Woo! I can hardly wait to go to church and preach and lift up my voice and just help people and meet people and say, man, it's good to see you. And then there's times I say, man, that person hates my guts. And they're looking at me every time I preach a message. <laughs> it kind of works on me a bit. But you know where I get to? I say, Lord, am I doing your will? Yeah. And he gives me his assurance. He gives me his promises. But you know what I say? It doesn't matter. I'm going to keep on, keep it on. You know what it does to my heart? brings peace. I give it to the Lord. It gives me peace. And I'm able to once again stand behind with the word of God and preach it just like I did before. Jesus Christ was betrayed in the house of his friends. Folks, you've got to be able to do that too. Have peace. Have peace. Amen? The plan of God is good. Sometimes thanking God is not easy. It isn't. And I, I, you know, I've gone through things. I had to really work to thank God. I really did. I had to really think through it. <laughs> That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So praise is giving thanks. Giving thanks is praise. So he's saying, you need to offer up a sacrifice of praise. Can I tell you this? If you're going through something tough, you know how in the Old Testament they take the lamb, <laughs> shed the blood, pour it on the altar, put it in the in the tabernacle and so forth and sprinkle it and all these different things that they would do. Your thanks in a time of darkness to God is just like him seeing his son on the cross of Calvary. Do you understand that? Can I tell you why that is? Because there's no way that you could thank God in hard times, unless you knew his son. And so when you thank God in darkness, say you've lost somebody in your life. I remember there's this family, their child died of cancer at seven years old. And I looked at this family and I was waiting for them to implode. They didn't. And I remember I was just a growing Christian. I was just looking at this. <laughs> How can they do this? Then I heard them say, thank you, Lord. You know what that was? That thank you was like taking the Son of God and offering his blood upon the cross of Calvary in the Lord's mind and heart. He said that you trusted me even though I took your son, your thankfulness is a sacrifice that's well-pleasing to me. It's not easy sometimes. You're going to go through things, you're going to say, Lord, I can't thank you in this. He's saying, look at what my son did. And then you know what you're going to do? You're going to work on it 
You're going to look at the goodness of God. You know what you're going to say? Thank you, Lord. Thank you in this. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) Folks, this is what I know, and I got this quote here. A mouth that cannot praise God in difficult times is an evidence of a soul in bondage. A soul is in bondage. You see, if you can give thanks in that dark time, you're freeing your soul. It has spiritual power. Now, we're to be thankful in everything. You, you ever heard the story of Corey Ten Boom? She was in the Nazi prison camps. She lost her whole family. She was the only one that survived. <clears throat> I'm going to read you something. Corey Ten Boom and her family served the Lord by helping to hide Jews during the World War II. Even though she was arrested and imprisoned, her faith remained strong. And this is her testimony. I and my sister Betsy were roughly pushed into Barracks 28 at Ravensbrook, a work camp for prisoners. We stared at the stacks of wooden sleeping platforms crowded into the large room, only a narrow walkway cut between. The platforms were three deep and covered with dirty, stinking straw. There wasn't even enough room to sit up in. We had just arrived by train along with hundreds of other prisoners crushed together for three days with 80 women in a freight car. Exhausted, we crawled onto the platform that had been assigned to us, but within moments I sat up quickly and bumped my head on the platform above. Fleas! I jumped to the floor. The place is calling with fleas. I don't know how I can cope with living in such a terrible place. Corey, I think God has already given us the answer, my sister Betsy said. What was that verse we were reading from the Bible this morning? I pulled out my Bible from the bag I wore on a string around my neck in the dim light. I read from 1 Thessalonians 16 to 18, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, Betsy, that's too hard in a place like this. No, come on, Corey, let's try. What are we thankful for? My sister asked. Well, if we must be in this awful place, I'm thankful that we're together and that the guards didn't find the Bible you had hanging down your back added Betsy. I nodded gratefully. Maybe we should thank God for how crowded we are in here because that way more women will hear the word of God when we read it aloud. That's right, Betsy's eyes danced. And thank you, God, for the fleas. No, Betsy, I can't thank God for the fleas. There's nothing good about them. Well, we'll just have to wait and see my sister answered. Every day we are awakened at 4.30 a.m. and forced to stand outside in the cold for roll call. Then we worked an 11-hour day. We were given black bread for breakfast and a thin soup of turnips for supper. 
The only thing we had to look forward to was when all of us stumbled back to the barracks at night. Before we went to sleep, Betsy and I would open our smuggled Bible and read God's word to the other women. At first, we posted lookouts to keep a watch for the guards. Anyone caught with a Bible would be certainly killed. But day after day passed, no guards came into barracks 28. Soon we read the Bible twice a day, and more and more women listened. No one bothered us. One day, Betsy grabbed my arm and whispered, I know why no one has bothered us in her Bible studies. I overheard some of the guards talking. None of them wanted to come to Barracks 28 because of the fleas. I wanted to laugh. All right, Lord. Thank you for the fleas. What's your fleas? What's your fleas today? Oh, I'll give God thanks for all this, but, oh, not the fleas. What are those things that are stealing your joy and peace today? Why is your heart distressed? Why are you angry? Why are you depressed? The only escape is to thank God for the fleas. That's what we need to do this morning. Let's bow our heads. Maybe this morning we are here and in your heart you've been burdened, you've been angry, you've been bitter, and you haven't been thanking God. Or maybe you've been thanking him for some things, but there's some things you say, Lord, I will not thank you for this. Whatever those fleas are. I want to tell you today that the only way you will find freedom this morning is if you can come before the Lord with thanksgiving. What is it? Oh, preacher, you don't think I have to thank God in this? Yes, in everything. Look at your life. Look at your past. What's happened to you? Oh, preacher, I've been through something and I just hate. Every time I think about that person, I get so mad. Can you thank God? Let him free you this morning. That thanksgiving will break through the darkness and light will finally fill your soul. If you can.